0: which we've entitled Called for a Purpose, where we're looking at the lives of people through the Bible who had their names changed and had their names changed because it meant they were being called to a purpose that was beyond the name they currently had. And we're just going to pause on the series this morning. I still want to look at the life of someone in the Bible. I still want to look at the life of someone who was called for a purpose. But, but this man didn't have a name change, but I want to look at how he was called uh, to be a father, and actually, how uh, the, the calling on him made a, a huge difference in the lives of, of many other people and actually changed the lives of millions, potentially billions of people around the world. You know, we're called to be influential in our relationship spheres, we're called to be the change in our communities, we're called to be the change in our workplaces, in our relationships, in our families. We are called to have an impact in the lives of the people around us that causes change, that causes incredible change. And I wanna use a sporting analogy if I can this morning because in sport, every now and again, during a game or during a sporting event, very, very rarely, but every now and again, there is a moment during a game or during a sporting event that, that when it happens, it changes the way the game was going. It changes the way the game maybe was expected to go or it changes the expected or anticipated result. And we call these events game-changers. Things that changed the game. Those of you who remember the 1966 World Cup may remember that famous third goal. The goal that never crossed the line but it, it, it put England in the lead and Germany never recovered. It was a game-changer. David Beckham's red card at France, 98. I remember watching that as as a schoolboy. It was a game changer. It changed the game. And there are so many more. Just in Welsh rugby alone, we could think of Scott Gibbs at Wembley in 99. Sam Warburton getting sent off in 2011. Gareth Davis's try in 2015. They were all game-changing moments that changed the way the game was going, that potentially changed the result and it's not just sport who remembers dial-up internet and then broadband came along and changed the game does anyone remember what we did before Netflix it was called blockbuster where you'd go down to blockbuster and you'd rent videos to take home for the weekend and then Netflix comes along and says hey you can order your DVDs online and we'll we'll post them to you. And, and Blockbuster said, do you know what? That'll never catch on. Netflix changed the game. Digital cameras changed the game. The iPhone and Blackberries changed the game. And, and this morning on Father's Day, we just felt it was right to bring a really short Father's Day message that, that as, as parents, we're called for a purpose. And actually, our purpose as parents is to change the game. Our purpose is to be game changers. So I just had a look at what it means to be a game changer. And, and I'm sure we can all think of moments where, where something was expected to happen, something was, was anticipated to happen, and something came along and changed it. And this is what the dictionary says a game changer is. It's, it's an event, an idea, or a procedure that, that affects a significant shift in the current way of doing or thinking about something and when you take a moment to think about it almost everything we do in our lives we do because someone somewhere changed the game we drive cars because someone somewhere invented the wheel and changed the game we do church the way we do because there was a person somewhere who said Do you know what? You don't need an organ to praise God and you don't need to wear sandals and white socks. It's okay. We do church the way we do because someone changed the game. William Wilberforce, who declared slavery, was not okay, He changed the game. There were people who lost their lives so that you could read the Bible in your own language. They changed the game. And on Father's Day, I want to share for a few moments on, on one father in the Bible who I think was a game changer. So if you've got a Bible near you or next you, I'd love you to join me in Matthew chapter 1. Because the person I want to focus on today is, is someone who, who really doesn't get a lot of airtime or attention unless we're talking about Christmas. Um, and his story is found in Matthew's Gospel. So we're going to read the story of Joseph. Um, So I'd love you to join me. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 and it says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son. You are to name him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. You know that story, most translations call Joseph a just man. My version says he was a good man, a man of justice, a man of principles, a man who knows the law, a man who applies the law, a man who never bends the rules for anyone, not even his friends or his family. That is the definition of a good man, of a just man. But I want to ask a question. How can Joseph be just when the, when he gets this news that, that, that Mary is carrying a child that obviously isn't his, that his first reaction is to divorce her? His first reaction is to divorce her publicly because when we look at the culture of the time, the lawful thing to do would be to have her stoned. Deuteronomy demanded it, that that, that she be stoned. And, and Joseph, what Joseph does is almost straight away is he looks beyond the law and he sees... Grace, But he makes an incredibly bold decision that that, that he's not going to turn her in. He's not going to have her publicly shamed and executed. But he's going to allow her and the unborn child to live. But his decision still means that that child will grow up without a father. And culturally, no man would want Mary now that she had a baby on the way. Maybe her parents would look after her. Maybe her parents would, would support her. But once that divorce was finalised, she was no longer Joseph's problem. And that would be her punishment. And actually, that was socially acceptable. That would be, have been a socially acceptable thing to do. He could argue mercy for for Mary and the unborn child. He could justify his divorce and he could walk away. And in society's eyes he would have done an acceptable thing. But then Joseph gets a dream from from an angel who tells him this child has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is God's child and he has been chosen to raise it. And what's incredible about Joseph is when you read that narrative I wonder sometimes if Joseph even fully understood at that time what he'd been told. Maybe he pondered over it for weeks, months, even years. But And he may have had questions, but what we read through the text is he accepts it. And then he has the strength of, of character to stand up to his entire community and take Mary as his wife. Despite what the law said, despite what the culture said, despite the shame and the gossip, he had the courage to to withstand the culture of the time, to reject what was socially acceptable and to do what was right, even when it cost him. That's a great lesson in, in obedience in God's provision, that even though this was hard, Even though it probably hurt, Joseph knew that God would make a way. And it's interesting when you look at Joseph's story that God actually speaks to Joseph through an angel four times. And you can study those in more depth later on. I'd love you to do that. But, it, but it's what he does when he hears from God that, that, that changes the game for everyone. So first of all, he's obedient in God's provision. But the second thing he does is if we notice the text, he doesn't sleep with Mary. They get married. So, so socially and culturally to consummate the marriage, that would have been normal. But Joseph holds off. And the the answer to that, why why he holds off, is because he knew the prophecy. Verse 23 says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. Now, he could have followed his desires and done the acceptable thing. But if he did, he'd have ruined it. So he did the right thing. And he made sure Mary was still a virgin when she gave birth. And that's an incredible act of obedience in purity. That when and then when jesus is born his 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 uh, he's warned in in another dream to to flee to egypt because herod is 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 looking for jesus and so he does no questions and they they run away to egypt and they hide and they wait for god to reveal that it's safe to return and that's an act of obedience in god's protection then when they arrive back in israel god speaks to joseph Again, not to go back to Judea, not to go back to to where they came from, but to go back to Nazareth, to go back to Nazareth in Galilee. Now, Joseph could have started a, a new life somewhere else, a new start with people who didn't know him, didn't know his wife and didn't know their story. He could have settled anywhere. He could have even settled in Bethlehem, the home of his family. But he goes back to Nazareth he goes back to face everyone he left behind he goes back to face the questions back to face the shame back to face the ridicule because he's obedient to god's plan and the plan was that jesus would come from galilee jesus would be called a nazarene so joseph had to go back to nazareth to make sure that plan was fully enacted. And and these acts changed the course of history. Without these acts of obedience and faith there would be a totally different Christmas story. And you know Joseph at any point he could have done what he thought was, was right, what he thought was best, what he thought was socially acceptable. He could have had Mary stoned, he could have divorced her and either way he gets to walk away with a clean conscience because he's done what culture and society say is acceptable and you know it's really easy for us in life to do what is acceptable it's really easy for us to go along with what is a, a cultural norm and one thing i've learned is there are many things that god allows us to do god gives us free will but that doesn't mean he agrees with us doing them there, there are things that god accepts that we will do but it doesn't mean he ordains them it doesn't mean that's what he wants us to to do. And it's so easy to do what's socially acceptable, but it takes courage to do what is right. It takes boldness to maintain your integrity even when you might lose out, even when the tide of cultural or social opinion might go against you. It takes courage to have integrity when it costs, and we see this in the life of Joseph. In our house, we have a, a, a daily calendar that we've, we've had for for years and years and years. And every day it has a verse from the Bible on it. And you, you, you turn the page every day and you get a new Bible verse. And it was my birthday a few weeks ago. And every year I get the same Bible verse on my birthday. And, and I remember the first year we were married when we turned it over. And it was a verse that really spoke to me. And, and I still remember it now that I, I get this reminder every year on my birthday. And this is what it says. It says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. Do you know that's a challenge? And it's also an inspiration that, that I, even though I might wait for God to do things in my life, I still choose to stand firm and lead a life of integrity in my home. That, that my daughter has a father who, above all else, is, is a man who lives out what he believes who doesn't always do what is socially acceptable but does what is right. That she has a father who who loves his wife, a father who is faithful, a father who is dependable, a father who prays for and with his family, a father who speaks words of life into her, a father who demonstrates a love of God and a passion for the church. Do you know, I'm convinced that as dads and as parents, if we can do this, if we can demonstrate courage and determination, if we can demonstrate obedience and integrity in our lives, we can change the game. For our children we can be game changers we can snatch our children's lives from the from the hands of the world and turn their futures around you know if we can live lives of integrity we can build strong children rather than have to spend time repairing broken adults can i encourage you this morning whether you're a father a grandfather a spiritual father or if you're a mother if you're a grandmother, if you're a spiritual mother, this does apply to you too. We can all make a decision to be game changers, to be people of integrity. That we'd ask God to help us be fathers and mothers who do the right thing, even though it might cost us. That God would help us to be bold and courageous and have determination and resilience and courage and obedience so that we would change the game for our children, that the outcome the world expects wouldn't be their outcome, the, the, the result the world anticipates wouldn't be their result, that the perceived ideal for their lives wouldn't come to fruition, but they would walk in God's plans and God's purposes, that we'd see a generation that rises up, backed up by men and women of integrity, so that they can be game changers in their own generation. And I appreciate for some of you watching this morning, this might not be your narrative. Maybe you don't or you haven't had that influence in your life. Can we encourage you, no matter how old you are, no matter how far down the road you think you are, can we encourage you to go and find that? Go and seek that out. There are plenty of men and women in this church who would love to provide that influence for you. Do you know, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect fathers. Only God is but one thing I know is we are better when we do things together. Maybe you can go and be the father that you never had, maybe you can go and make a difference in the life of someone else by being that father figure to them. Do you know it'll bless you far more than it will bless them? But what we also want to do this morning is help you relate to God as a father. We sang earlier this morning, You're a good, good father, and I'm loved. By you, we want to help you understand the Father heart of God. And, and Hannah read it earlier this morning. Psalm 68 says that God is a Father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. It said that God sets the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free, and he gives them joy. What does God do? He sets prisoners free. He revives hearts. He gives them joy. He rebuilds their lives. He sets the lonely in families. He restores hope. Do you know we're passionate about helping people discover and encounter God, to to help you connect relationally to God. Can I say in South Wales is there's, there's always been a tradition of, of church going, maybe not so much now, but certainly a hundred years ago everyone went to church or chapel. But I'd argue that not everyone knew God. Not everyone had a relationship with God. And even now, sometimes when you go to some churches, even the way we, we speak to God when we pray is very formal. You know, we call him God. Now, he is God. Don't get me wrong. He is God. But when we look at Jesus, when Jesus is is teaching the disciples to pray, he doesn't call God God. He calls God Father. Through the Bible and through the, the life of Jesus, he always calls God Father when he teaches the disciples to pray, the disciples say, "Lord, teach us to pray." And Jesus says, "Say this: Our Father, not my Father, not Father of Jesus, but our Father, the Father to us all." And you know, our God isn't the King James God. We don't we don't kind of have to say, "Oh Lord, we praiseeth thee for thou art holy." That's not how God wants us to speak to him. God wants us to be relational. Not religious. He wants us to get close to him. It says in the book of James that whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father. And here's the important bit He never changes. He never casts a shifting shadow. You know, God never changes. We do. We have our moments, but but no matter what happens, God never changes. He still loves us. It says in the Bible, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. And James goes on to say that we, out of all creation, we became his prized possession. You know, I believe God doesn't want anyone to be fatherless. He wants us to find fathers. He wants us to be fathers to others but he wants to be our father and when we make God our father it changes our life it changes the game for us you know God doesn't want your religion he wants your relationship and you don't have to earn it you don't have to pay for it you actually just need to accept it all you have to do is receive God as your father And what we'd love to do is give you an opportunity to do that this morning. If you're ready uh, to do that, we'd love to pray a short prayer with you. If you want to recommit to God as as Father this morning, again, we'd love to pray a really short, simple prayer together that we can pray today. So wherever you are, why don't you just bow your heads for a moment, just as an act of, of coming before God, and we'll pray. God, thank you for sending your son to get rid of the sin that would separate me from you. Today I accept that saving grace and I come to you as my father. Thank you for putting me into relationship with you. Come and live inside me. Change me. Make me into a new person. Change the game for me. Thank you Father, Amen.